thank you that we can come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for you hold us in your hands. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your kindness that you've shown to us. Nothing can snatch us out of your hands. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you for salvation in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you say again, thank you to Brother Dennis for coming to be with us today. Brother, God bless you. Good morning. Good to see all of you. If you have your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter number 3 is where we'll be going in our Bibles. I hope you brought your copy of God's Word. We want to look together today as we approach Easter time, now two weeks away from Easter. We hope that you'll make plans to be with us and perhaps invite a friend to come and be with us. And we're inviting people to come back. Uh, people are feeling more comfortable uh, all around us to come back and join in worship. And we're glad they're coming back. And I'm honored and glad you're here today. So during these days, building and coming toward Easter time, we've been looking in detail at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've sought to share with you from several very important places in the New Testament, truths about the Lord Jesus Christ and His suffering on the cross. When the Lord Jesus took the bitter vinegar uh, to His mouth and tasted that bitter vinegar as He died in thirst, agonizing, suffocating on the cross, He then tasted the bitter vinegar and as John, the apostle, the eyewitness says, then He bowed His head and he said, it is finished and he died. What happened as a result of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ will change your life forever. What happened as a result of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ is the greatest event in all of human history along with the resurrection of Jesus Christ three days later. So we come today to follow the Lord Jesus, to honor Him, and I pray that my words will bring glory to God and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. So You've had time now to find your place in 1 Peter chapter 3. Would you stand now in honor of the reading of God's Word? And we'll begin reading. Peter is challenging these Christians in 1 Peter 3 to be strong in their suffering that they'll face in the world. So I begin reading in 1 Peter 3 verse 13. Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness... You are blessed and do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you with gentleness and reverence. And keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better, if God should will, it's so that you suffer for doing what is right, rather than for doing what is wrong. And then our focus for today, verse 18. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that He might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Now, Holy Spirit of God, we stand with the Word of God in our hands. We hear these words. May the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher and bless them to to our lives today as we glorify and honor the Lord Jesus. In His name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. 
So this morning we come to this very important verse. Peter's been reminding, as I said, these believers that they will suffer in the world. If you follow Jesus Christ, if you stand and give yourself as a, and you make yourself a testimony of the Lord in your workplace, at school, other places, you're going to have those who are going to oppose you and they're going to say things about you and perhaps do things to you. So what do we do? Well, we keep doing good. We don't fear intimidation by those who would attack Christians. We don't fear what they might say or what they might do. We don't fear intimidation. We don't, we don't get troubled because they're troubling us. But we, verse 15, we sanctify Christ as Lord in our hearts. God, is, God has sent us the Lord Jesus Christ to be our Savior and Lord. We have confessed Him as Lord. So in your heart and in your mind, you stand as a follower of Jesus, verse 15, and you're resolute. I am a follower of Jesus Christ, and so in your mind you say, I am a follower of the Lord regardless of what happens to me, and I'm ready now to give a testimony of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be saved to anybody who asks. Verse 16, maintain a good conscience. That means don't live in sin. If you have sin in your life as a Christian, it will always entangle you and accuse you, and you'll not be ready and prepared with a good conscience to speak to other people about Jesus Christ. So verse 16, keep a good conscience so that in the thing you're slandered, they'll slander you for your behavior, but when they see how you really live, it brings glory to God. Verse 17, it might be better for you. It might be better for you. Some of you are in a hard place. You're seeking to stand for the Lord and it's hard right now. It's better for you, Peter says, if you should, if God wills, suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. And then he comes to this unbelievable summary of the gospel and especially of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And verse 18 alone will be my focus today in my comments. My prayer is that, that these astounding words of Peter will touch your heart and warm your soul. And those of you who are followers of Jesus and you've wandered away and you're somewhere else now and you're not where you ought to be and your love has grown cold and you're not following Jesus with the fervor and joy you used to. And for some of you who are here within the sound of my voice or listening to us and you're not saved, perhaps the Lord will draw you by us raising up before you what Jesus Christ did. Peter says, for Christ. This is your example, church, if you suffer. This is what you must remember in all of your trials and troubles. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that, or you might read it, for the purpose of bringing us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. I want you to see again this important phrase, so that He, Jesus Christ, through His death, might bring us. Who's He writing to? He's writing to Christians. Through the death of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ has brought us to God. When someone's very sick, they have to call for someone to bring them to the hospital. When someone's been sick and ill at home, our church does it. We do it all the time. We're glad to do it. We bring food and supplies and help those in, in need. When you are a little boy or girl, your parents or grandparents, someone, they brought you to school. And thankfully for many of you, if you 
were um, blessed as I was as a child, your parents brought you to church. You couldn't do it on your own. Someone brought you. I bring you back to this phrase today because in these words, in verse 18, we have a summary of the gospel of Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross. And the focus of my comments is this. Jesus Christ brings, through His death, all believers to God. This is an astounding truth. I'll do my best to describe it to you today. But you need to go home on this Lord's Day before you get caught up in all the rest of your things that you do. You ought to give some time to talk about this with your family at the table. You ought to give some consideration to this in your own uh, prayer time on this Lord's Day. That Jesus Christ died for our sins once for all, the just for the unjust so that He might bring us to God. I could not get to God on my own. I needed somebody to bring me to God. I didn't know which way to go. I didn't know the way. I didn't know how to talk to God. I didn't know what to do. Someone must bring you to God. You cannot bring yourself. The arrogance of the generation in which we live of people priding themselves that somehow they're going to stand before God and on their own, declare themselves right is foolishness. You cannot come to God lest the Lord Jesus Christ dies so that you might be brought to God by His grace and His salvation. And, and praise the Lord for that. So my heart is burdened that you might understand the unbelievable statement of the gospel. We are brought to God because of the death of Jesus Christ. So I have three observations from these words. Number one, I'm going to use three words that are very familiar to us in preaching. They're, they're not the words necessarily that we find in these verses, but if we're going to understand what it means for Jesus Christ to bring us to God, we must first of all understand His substitution for sinners when He died on the cross. Christ's death in substitution on the cross for sinners brings them to God if they will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and repent of their sins. Secondly, Christ's death brings believers to God in reconciliation in this world. We can be, as I've been talking for weeks on end to you, we are reconciled to God because of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And I want to speak to you a little bit more about that for a few minutes. And then finally, I want to open to you the door of heaven today from the Word of God. Oh, for many of us today, this is what you need the most. And this week and next week as we finish this time, as we come to Easter, I'll speak again about this wonderful truth that Christ's death brings believers to God in glorification in heaven. Praise God. There is something good that you can't even imagine, my Christian friend, coming for you. Your days may be hard. Your days may be filled with troubles and pains. The Lord blesses us through the death of Christ in this world, but oh, the world to come. Oh, what is to happen to you, my believing brother or sister in Christ, regardless of your physical condition, your ailments, your troubles, there is a great glorious time coming for you. And the Word of God tells us about it. Though we understand it dimly, though we can't understand it all very specifically, that's where your peace will come. Not setting your attention on all the silly things of this world. They pass. They're wasted. They don't last. 
when you focus upon Jesus Christ, who is in heaven, our Lord and Savior, our high priest, and the glory of that place, and those who are already there in the, in the glory that God has given to believers. That's the things I want you to see today. First of all, substitution. <clears throat> has anybody ever taken your place for something you did? They stepped in and they took, they took the punishment for you. Remember what it felt like? When somebody stepped in and said, no, I'm going to take your place. I did it. I take, I'll take the blame. There's nothing more astounding and humbling and heartwarming than to think about the fact that Jesus Christ endured your sin on the cross. He was your substitute. He stood in your place, beaten to a bloody pulp, driven down, thorns on his head, <clears throat> lacerations all over his body, liars all around, mock trials that didn't mean a thing, a Roman governor who thought he was everything, who was nothing, and then the ridicule all the way up the road to the place of the skull. He took all of that for you and for me. Jesus Christ died for sins once for all. No more need of sacrifice. No more animal sacrifices. This blood, the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient for all time, for all generations, for all who will believe their sins can be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the most astounding, glorious thing we can comprehend. The most wicked of sinners can be saved because Christ died for sins once for all. So what do we learn about this substitution? Well, he suffered once for all, but also the just for the unjust. There was no wickedness nor sin in the Lord Jesus Christ. What does Paul tell us in the book of Hebrews? He says he became like us in every way. Let me tell you something. If you're in trouble today and you're feeling pain and you're feeling struggle in your mind, don't you ever think that the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't know what it means to be pressed in the mind and to be discouraged and to try to and to have all kinds of emotional temptations pushed upon him. He was tempted and always like us, yet without sin. The just for the unjust. He lived a perfect life of righteousness and obedience to the law of God, so that when you were saved, he gave you his righteousness. You didn't deserve any of it, nor did I. So Christ Jesus died for our sins once for all. That's it. It's finished. It's finished. The just for the unjust. Finished. The righteous one dies for the unrighteous and the wrath of God is satisfied in that sacrifice for sin. And so what happens? Our substitute, the Lord Jesus Christ, has made a way. And so you know what you did when you prayed today? You know what we've already done in this service today? We prayed in the name of Jesus. You know why? Because He's the substitute. And only through the name of Jesus do we have access to God. Secondly, reconciliation. Christ's death brings believers to God in reconciliation in this world. Why is it? Why is it we can be joyful in this world of joylessness? 
Why can we have contentment when all around us the world is filled with discontent? Why can we love other people when everybody hates each other? How can it be that we can have a joy in our hearts even when we are suffering great sickness and pain and loss and devastation? It is because you have been reconciled to God, Christian friend. You've been reconciled. You've now been made right with Him. Christ died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust. And what did He do? When you bowed your head, when you, when you confessed your sin and repented of your sin, unbelievably, spiritually, the Holy Spirit of God sent from God the Father and Son brings you to God in relationship. And now... You have a glorious relationship with God. Here's the way Paul said it in Romans 5, 1 and 2. I've talked about these verses in detail. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's it. Now you're reconciled. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But there's something else Paul says in Romans 5 I want you to hear. He goes on to say, through whom the Lord Jesus Christ, we have obtained our introduction, listen to me now, by faith into God's grace. Do you know who introduced you to the grace of God? Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you know the most magnificent thing you have in your life today as a follower of Jesus being reconciled? The grace of God. Are you glad, my Christian friend? The grace of God. Saved by the grace of God. Sustained by the grace of God. Forgiven by the grace of God. Protected by the grace of God. Kept by the grace of God. Oh, the grace of God. He brings us. He brings us and introduces us to the grace of God. So that we might live in this world, in this wicked world, and enjoy the grace of God. Grace of God, now you're a friend with God. Grace of God, now you've been declared righteous... And you've been pardoned from your sin and justified by your faith. Grace of God. You've been forgiven of all your sins. Grace of God. You've been adopted as a child of God. Should I go on? The grace of God. Christ's death brings reconciliation to God. That's why you sing when everybody else is sad. That's why you have joy in your heart when there's wickedness and godliness, godlessness all around. It's because you've been reconciled to God and you can never be separated from Him again. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. That's what we sing. Great is thy faithfulness. That's what we sing because we have been reconciled in this world through Jesus Christ. Oh, if you ever get over being reconciled to God and become a proud person again. Shame on you. There's never a way I can live in pride again because the only way I've been able to be brought to God in my frailty, in my sin, in my rebellion, the Lord Jesus, He brought us. He brought us all who are saved in this room. He brought you to God in reconciliation through Jesus Christ. Now let's open heaven's door. Now let's open heaven's door. We oftentimes think about heaven and what's there. That's important. But today my comments are about who's there. 
especially the believer in Jesus Christ. Oh, as the little girl said, I heard her uh, talking to her mother at the service for, at the funeral service for their Christian, her Christian grandmother. So, Mom, what's, what's happened to Grandma now that she's dead? You know, it's interesting as a pastor all through these years, when I talk sometimes to people about heaven and they're going through troubles and they'll kind of grin and smile, almost like they're, you know, they appreciate that I'm bringing up heaven, kind of like, well, you know, thank you, Pastor Mike. That's really good. I know about heaven. Thank you. Thank you. Kind of a smirky little thing. When I talk about that with them, it's only because that you see the great responsibility of the Christian life is no longer to think about here, but there. And what's going to happen to you when you leave here and go there is a glorious thing. And I fear that most of our, most, most Christians don't have any idea nor think much about all what's called the blessed state of the Christian's life. You see, your salvation, your salvation is all about bringing you into full restoration with God again. And now we're separated. And what did Peter say? Our, our, our beloved disciple here. Words that are so dear to me and to many of you who are here. He says in chapter 1, the condition we're in right now. Though you have not seen Him. None of us in this room have ever seen the Lord Jesus Christ with our eyes. You love Him. And though you do not see Him now. You believe in Him. That's the condition we're in this world. We walk by faith. We walk by faith. And we love the Lord Jesus Christ, though we've never seen Him with our eyes. And we commit ourselves to follow Him, no, no matter the cost. We make a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. And now what do we have? The door of heaven is open. He brings us. He brings us as His children God the Father brings us to Himself through the Lord Jesus Christ and His work. Let me just talk about it for a moment. I read to you from Romans chapter 8 because it's a summary of these things that are found in a lot of different places. And I'm going to go quickly, but I want to read to you. These are very familiar words to most of you who are here. <clears throat> Romans 8, uh, 28, we've talked about that in detail, the good from the bad. Uh, during this last year and all the troubles that have been going on, we know, we know... Christians know, verse, uh, Romans 8, 28, that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to His purpose. And everything that happened in this last year up until this very moment in your life, everything that's happened in your life since you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, all of it God has caused to work for good for you if you love God and are called according to His purposes. And then with that in mind, Paul gives us these two great declarations of the full condition from beginning to end of what happens to the believer who believes in Jesus Christ. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. That's your ultimate goal. That's what's being done in your life. That work is now started. The Holy Spirit of God is Making you more like Jesus Christ. That's why He puts all these irritable people in your life and all these problems in your life. 
That's why He's putting you through all these difficulties. So that He might use that heavenly sandpaper. So that He might grind away. So that He might make you more like Jesus. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son. Verse number 30, And to whom those whom He predestined, He called. And those whom He called, He justified. Don't drift on me now. And those whom He justified, listen, He also glorified. You are already in Christ, my Christian friend. Christ is in you. This amazing relationship you have with Jesus Christ is as real as you're sitting here today. You have this relationship with Him, but oh, on the other side, oh, through the door of heaven, as we cross into that place where the Lord Jesus is, into that holy place, into that glorious place of the ever-presence of God, an eternal place above time and space that never ends, age upon age, generation upon generation, what happens to us? Well, first of all, believers in Jesus Christ are glorified and saved from the presence of any more sin. It's gone forever. Yes, saved when I came to Jesus Christ and I was justified in this world. I was saved from the penalty of sin. And the work of God in my life right now is to save me from all of the power of sin and give me the strength to walk with Jesus and live by the new nature and the Holy Spirit of God, being filled with the Spirit. But one day there will be no more sin when we are in heaven, when we go to that glorious place. Transformed, the presence of sin is gone forever. No more sadness, no more tears, no more grief, no more rebellion from the evil one, the devil attacking. It is the glorious place beyond the presence of sin. And believers who are justified, as I've just read to you, will be glorified. They will be changed. They will experience the glory of God. Their bodies that are put in the ground. Oh, when we die, our spirit goes to be united to Christ. We await that glorious time that's yet to come. Our bodies in the ground waiting, deposited, because one day your your old body, the body you have that identifies you as who you are, uniquely made to you, given to you as a gift from your birth, that body will be transformed. And as Paul says, the dead in Christ will rise first. The glory of the resurrected body of the believer in Jesus Christ is a glorious thing. And we will forever be with the Lord with a promise of a new heaven and a new earth. A lot of good things are coming for you. No more presence of sin. Gone. Not affecting you any longer. Beyond the power of sin. Beyond the penalty of sin. No longer condemned. Conformed to Jesus Christ in perfect union with Him. With a resurrected body that will one day come at the Lord Jesus' return. And the glorified Lord Jesus. This is an astounding statement. This is an astounding statement which I'm about to read from Colossians 1.22. Next week I'm going to talk. I'm going to go ahead and tell. You know, my old preacher friend used to tell me, don't tell people what you're going to preach on next week. They might not come. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I'm going to elaborate in detail on Colossians 1.22. Listen, did you know this? That believers in Jesus Christ, when the Lord Jesus, when the Lord Jesus comes again and we appear before God for that time of accountability, did you know that He will present you on that great day holy and blameless before God? I read it to you. 
Colossians 1.22, Yet He has now reconciled you in His body of flesh through death in order for this purpose to present you before Him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. That's the glory of being glorified in the presence of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. I go on. Believers will be glorified, living eternally, living forever in the fullness of joy in God's presence. You see, it's only when I'm weak in mind and lack spiritual understanding that I don't appreciate that statement. I think that we miss this. Jude 24, Jude has only one chapter. Verse 24 of Jude says now to him, who is able to protect you, Christian, from stumbling, listen, and to make you stand, are you ready for this? In the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. There's nothing more joyous than being blameless in the presence of God forever and ever and ever and ever. You know when I talk to some people about going to heaven, they seem a little sad. They, they seem like that they'd rather just stay here. As if there's something here that would be better than there. They, they seem like they're so attached to the things in this world that they've misunderstood no presence of sin anymore completely, eternally saved in the presence of God, which brings full joy. Listen, when you come to understand the presence of God in your life in this world, see, this is what God's teaching you. This is what the Holy Spirit does inside of you. He teaches you, He gives you that experience of the sweetness of the presence of God in your troubles. One day, you will stand in the awesomeness of the glory of the presence of God and those angelic beings and all of those living creatures and all of them keep throwing their crowns down, keep saying the same thing because you can never get over it. The eternal God is holy, holy, holy. Forever and a day He was, who is, who is to come, the glorious one. Oh, I hope that you'll just peer through these scriptures into heaven that goes forever and see the change that will come to you as a follower of Jesus Christ. I finish on this one last thing and I have just a few moments, but I want you to not turn on. Please listen to me, please. You see, believers will also experience something that we don't often think about, but I'll use these words. It's not exactly said this in these words in Scripture, but it's implied. What will happen... What will happen when I go to be with the Lord in heaven? I will come to have the opportunity to live eternally in the enjoyment of God. <clears throat> Some of you have dear friends. And you, you say it when you go to visit them. You sit and you talk and you say, boy, the time just flew by. You didn't it? It's so sweet to be with them. You go with your family and the time just flies by. You have fellowship with good people here at the church and you enjoy the time. And time just flies by. Enjoyment. Enjoyment helps us miss the restraints of time. 
when you go to the place that is timeless, when you are there before the Lord and glorifying God in that place and having the fullness of joy that comes in knowing Jesus Christ, we only understand this a little bit. And I stand here along with you as a fellow traveler on the road to heaven to understand it. But I want you to hear these precious words that are declared even back in the psalm. And you should go home today. Perhaps I would encourage you. This is something else you should think about. For the sake of time, I read it to you. Psalm 16, 11. You make known to me the path of life. Listen, in your presence is fullness of joy. But then there's something else. David says, God, in your right hand, there are pleasures forever. Do you know anything about the pleasure of following God? Do you know anything about today the joy, the enjoyment of being with God? Why, I about got run over coming in the road today. We had some men that they were ready to go. They had their boat hooked up and they didn't want anybody in their way. They're going to go enjoy going to fish. There were a few others that about crashed into me, had their golf cart on the back of their truck. They're going to go enjoy playing golf. And there were some others that seemed pretty happy. They were dragging their lawnmower around. And did you know what's getting ready to happen to your life? You're going to mow grass. Looking for enjoyment. Looking for enjoyment. I ask you, my Christian friend, do you enjoy God now? Do you enjoy your relationship with God this place we're going is a place where we will be with Him. We will see Him. We will love Him. He will love us. We will have this deep assurance. There will be no more sin, no more sorrow, no more sadness. We will be joined with and united with that great group of God's people from all ages who are the people of faith. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now we are children of God. It has not yet appeared what we will be, but we know... We know when He appears, we will be like Him. Transformed body, resurrected body, because we will see Him as He is. Oh, to see the glory of God forever and ever. To be in the presence of God and to see the Lord Jesus Christ in all of His glory and majesty. This is what we have to come. And the only people who really care about heaven are those who follow Jesus. So what do we do with all of this as we leave today? Well, I'll say it quickly. All those whom God justifies, He glorifies. If you're saved this morning, if you're saved this morning, God's doing a work in your life to make you more like Jesus. He justifies, He sanctifies. And one day, praise God, you will experience glorification. Christ's death brings permanent access to God and glorified believers will live eternally in the enjoyment of God. Think about the greatest relationship you have that you enjoy. I can't even describe how many times more the glorious enjoyment of God will be in heaven. I hope you know what it's like to enjoy God in your prayer life. I hope you know what it's like to enjoy God in the midst of your trials. I hope you know what it's like to enjoy God when you open the Word of God and the words come out to you like you cannot even understand. 
I hope you know what it's like to enjoy God and fellowship with godly people who love Jesus and that's their goal. Oh, the unending joy of the glorified saint. It's been hard here, hasn't it? It's always hard here. It will always be hard here. Because this isn't your home. So we follow Jesus. And if we're not saved this morning and you're listening to me, you must be saved or you'll not go to heaven. I don't care what you, whoever's told you some talk or philosophy or idea. If you're not saved, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you've not repented of your sins, you're headed to hell. You're headed to a place of shame, pain, misery, agony that never ends. No enjoyment of God. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, where's your joy today? Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Heaven is your home. The presence of God is there. The glory and majesty of that place. And pleasures forever from His hand. Go think about that for a little while today. Let that change your spirit and heart. And then you'll sing the old hymn. When we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the, the victory. Can anybody say amen? Well, I'm excited and I hope you are too. Heaven is your home if you're saved.